Welcome back to another episode of Black Girl Uninterrupted. Hypnotic conversations on the misadventures and how I always seem to mess up the road to self-discovery. We're talking about embracing the transition from my childish 20s to my grown AF 30s, being unapologetically Black, changing the narrative of this Black girl's trials with my tribe. Black Girl Uninterrupted is a podcast for all my marginalized Black girls worldwide. I am your host, Coco Amor, and welcome back. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Black Girl Uninterrupted. I am so excited about this episode. Oh my gosh, it was so amazing to have this conversation in today's episode. It is featuring a local clinician out here in Houston, greater Katy area. Her name is none other than Anjanique Goodman. She is the CEO and founder of The Inner Mind. She offers psychotherapy sessions and services Again, in the greater Katy area, uh, she is seeing teens, adolescents. She's offering family therapies for a variety of situational and services. So if you guys are looking for a therapist out here in Houston or the greater Katy area, make sure you hit up my girl. She is absolutely amazing. Very different perspectives. Um and it's amazing to see a black female clinician out here not only talking the talk about uh, mental health but also putting some work behind what she's doing in this episode we discussed some of her projects that she's working on uh, outside of her therapy sessions uh, we covered mental health in the Black community. We talked about sexuality in teenagers and, you know, when's a good time to have that conversation about sex, what sex is, and how do we continuously have a good communications relationship with our children. Uh, Neek focuses on adolescents. So parents, I think it's a good episode for you guys to share with your children. Uh, it is is absolutely important that we take care of our children's mental health. And let me say why. It is a time where there are so many things that our children are being inundated with, whether it's on TV, it's music, it's social media, or mostly at school. You know, they have so many things teaching them what they should be doing or what they could be doing if they're not listening to you. And we kind of want to be a bigger force than the outside forces. And a lot of people have opinions of cartoons sneaking in sexual preferences or sexual preference suggestions to our children. It happens. You know, I sat back and I watched some of our older cartoons and they were very subtle. But the cartoons that are produced now, they're more in your face 
I mean, I think we only had South Park, which was the most raunchiest thing growing up. And you only had the opportunity to watch it if your parents worked at night. And when South Park hit mainstream TV and it went off of that restricted uh, subscription services, it changed the the dialect in the in the conversation about sexuality in cartoons and exposure to children uh, in cartoons. So we had this session to encourage everyone who is experiencing some changes with their children and how to go about it. Now, Nick's session with me is just an episode. It is an encouraging session for you to seek out any mental health uh, service provider in your local area if you notice any behavioral changes in your child. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. What inspired you to get into therapy? Oh my God, the number one question. You know, Yay. it's so funny. I don't, I don't have this story. Like, mine's are so boring. What? Um, no, can't be. It can't be. Everybody has, like, this, like, heartbreaking story, like, this aha moment. Girl, listen, I was, okay, backtrack. I was bad in school. Uh, from elementary to high school, I almost got kicked out of school, had to do night school. So I say that to say, once I graduated, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do because I never took school seriously. So my mama was just like, go to college. Okay, cool. Well, that's what all my friends are doing, so I guess I'll go. <laughs> didn't know where I wanted to go. Okay, I'll just apply wherever. Um, so when I went to AM and I was about to graduate, everybody was like, okay, what you want to do as a career? I don't know, like, what am I supposed to do with this degree? And then one of my teachers was like, just do an internship at a domestic violence shelter because they're in need of interns. So I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, that sounds like something, you know, I might be interested in. Yeah. So when I did it there, I realized that there was a need for that population. And it's very, like, mental health related. Mm-hmm. And... Once I realized that the people that that made the most impact were, like, clinicians, I was like, oh, I can see myself doing this. But I couldn't necessarily work with the clinicians because of that confidentiality aspect. So I was more so, like, the receptionist. So I didn't know, like, the ins and outs of therapies. I was still Mm kind of, like, confused. But I was like, I can see myself being a counselor. Okay. So I just applied to grad school, got in, and boom. I mean, I love it. I think it was faith. I think it, it, I was just being led by God, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to just do, this is what you're telling me to do, I'm going to do it. Ooh, so thank you for that, girl. No, it's honestly, I always tell people on the podcast, it's like, you know, sometimes God just got to take you where he wants you to go. And I've been trying to get out to Texas for such a long time before I moved. And I would say for like five years, I'm moving to Texas. I'm moving to Texas. And everybody would be like, she ain't going nowhere. She's going to stay. She's going to be right here in Miami with the rest of us. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, I'm leaving. And then I had a breakup. I packed it up. I was like, I'm leaving. I think it's time to go. I put everything in my car that I could fit. Packed my kid up. I was like, we in the road. And 
the whole 20 hours driving, girl, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Man, like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know you're doing the right thing, but, like, you kind of don't have no guidance or, like, no future plans, but it's like, I'm going to wing it because this is what feels comfortable <laughs> or it, it feels right right now. Yes. And it was just like, gotta, you just got to get there. If you get to Texas, I'll lead you the, the rest of the way. And I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen, but it was scary. So... Taking that path that was your journey is your journey alone, and that's just where you got to go. You got to walk by faith, not by sight. So, <laughs> so um, I noticed on your Instagram page that you are working a lot with young women um, today, and especially the teenage girls. And I think they need it. They need it as equally as teenage boys do, especially little black boys, but... Uh, what brought you to that moment to say, you know what, let me start working with adolescents, girls. Let me start putting in some community work there. Like what was your turning point in your career? That is more so like a, um, a self-reflection that I had to do when, um, when trying to figure out like what population do I want to work with? Who do I feel like I would, um, fit with the best. So that's when I kind of, dug deep into my own life and I thought about like when did I need therapy the most because I mean I'm still young I'm still living life still trying to figure out this whole you know everything um but really when I got into adolescence and you're dealing with like those life transitions you're dealing with sex just trying to figure out your identity trying to figure out what you want to do as a career like you're being thrown with all of these stresses that people really don't talk about and they really don't like normalize Mm-hmm. So at that point, when I was doing my own self-reflection, and I was like, being a teenager, I really needed therapy. But then when I think about it, the people who were therapists, they were not going to be effective for me. I can't just sit down for an hour as a teenager and talk to you about problems because I don't have the emotional language for it. Yes. So just thinking about that, I was like, you know what? I'm still young. I'm still, like, connected with a lot of <clears throat> the things that they like, mm-hmm. you know, the music, the TV shows, things like that. So not only can I relate from, you know, being a teenager once, but being older and navigating through those experiences of what they're dealing with now, it's like, okay, yeah, that that's my calling. That's what I need to work That's awesome. I always felt like I, I do better with, the teenage girls, because I'm trying to do something with my son, but I'm like, I don't know man language. So I'm going to just throw you into something like, I don't think I can do much work as a, as one woman. So I, I completely understand that. I've done like a lot of community work back home here in Texas too. So I get that and I commend that because they need it. They have a lot of pressures to be like Kim Kardashian, to be like, you know, all these Instagram models. No, social media. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so how does social media play in a teenager's psyche? Because it's so many images like this they're inundated with. How do you give advice to the teenagers to, you know, kind of combat those images and those ideas? Right. Like that, honestly, between social media and drug use, those are like the number ones. So you're seeing a lot of teens struggling with like their identity, but not only that, their self-esteem, their self-worth, 
things like that. And so what we really do is I'll have them go on fast, like social media fast. So mm-hmm. go on the fast for like 10 days, 30 days, whatever they feel suit. They might hate me for it, but they'll love me for it after. But go on the fast and while you're doing this, use this moment as like solitude to figure out like who you are so you can be comfortable in yourself. So that if you see another pretty girl, that her beauty doesn't relate to your beauty. You know, being comfortable in who you are. Um, if somebody is to bully you or tease you or say certain things about you, not allowing that to affect you, you know, things like that. Yeah. Bullying is another thing that you see a lot of times in like teenage years. Yeah. How do uh, how do teenagers deal with bullying versus um, how will we deal with it as an adult? Like what how, how is the I guess coping mechanism for teenagers different from adults because now like as an adult I would say I I was like I don't never care nobody ever bullied me like if anything I was going to fight you know but the teenagers now are so different and you see a lot of them are you know committing suicide or so how how do we help them deal with that or express that they are dealing with it so we don't end up going to funerals sooner than we should. Mm-hmm. I think the number one thing that comes down to it is like normalizing what they're feeling. Um, mm-hmm. So when you're dealing with bullying, normalizing that, like they're feeling pain. But so going backwards, a lot of times we, we have a lot of empathy towards the person who's being bullied, but we kind of, we don't have that same empathy when it comes to the person that is bullying, that is, you know, that's the bully. And so you got to look at it from both sides. People who tend to bully, they're also dealing with hurt. Mm. Or they're also dealing with their own bully. Sometimes it's like back home, they might be dealing with like an abusive parent or a parent who's neglecting them. So that bullying, a lot of times they're acting out, not making excuses for that. But a lot of times I don't see people advocating that, listen, bullies need therapy too. Yeah. You know, they're dealing with their own hurt because hurt people hurt other people. So they're dealing with their own thing that they need to address. So working on that to help like eradicate the bullying and then dealing with the people who are experiencing bullying, you know, trying to figure out how that affects them individually because it's going to be different per person. You're going to see a lot of people looking to drugs to cope, looking to like you said, suicide and self-harm is like the third uh, leading cause of death in adolescents. Um, so looking at that, looking at that and like being a support for them, being a person that they can come to and talk to about whatever they're, they're going through. And even if you're being bullied, that you're not a weak person mm-hmm. because they will, you know, not want to come to people out of fear of like, oh, well, I'm being bullied, so I'm going to be weak. Because yeah. we'll say, okay, why don't you just fight back? Like somebody punched you in the face or somebody talking bad about your mama's like, okay, fight back. But it's it's not that easy for everybody. You yeah. know? So yeah. Ooh. Kids these days seem to have it a lot harder, you know, than we did. I know growing up, we didn't have a lot of exposure to sex. That would be on HBO late at night. <laughs> Or BT, when we already sleep and we would have to sneak and see those things or be up. So now that they have all of these images, it's it's more in their face versus how we grew up 
in the 90s, early 2000s, it's a lot different. So I, I totally understand that. So to go further into teenage, you know, situations and things that they are experiencing, teenagers and sex, girl, teenagers... <laughs> I was like, when I saw the post, she was like, teenagers are having sex and they like it. And I was like, no, they shouldn't. They should not. (laughs) (laughs) So what inspired that post? Because that just, I was like, wait a minute. I got to interview her because where's she coming from? (laughs) And then I forgot I was a teenager once. And I liked it. And it was just like, but it, but it, but honestly, you kind of want your kids not to do the same things that you do. You be like, no, don't like sex. So how do we open that conversation, a healthy conversation about sex and not shame them about, you know, what sex is and all of that. As a parent, as a caregiver, as a teacher, as an adult, period, you are their role model. So they look up to you. Whether they say it, whether they verbalize it, they look up to us, right? Mm -hmm. To figure out, like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to navigate through my life. So our role really is to help support them. And the way that we do that is being open. So if they're experiencing something, if they want to come talk to us, being open and allowing that space and allowing the opportunity to happen, being non-judgmental about it. So that goes back to like, um, if if your son was to come to you and say, um, you know, mom, I'm having sex. What are you having sex? Oh no, hell no, you need to get out of my house. Like, okay, so then in his head, like, see, this is why I'm never telling her nothing else ever again. But yeah. you know, just being open, like, okay, you're having sex, let's talk about this. What do you know about sex? Tell me, what are you doing? Do you know anything about safe sex? Like, being open with them. Because they're going to talk to their friends about it. And their friends are going to tell them all of the pleasurable things about it. Mm-hmm. But their friends are not going to tell them about the STDs, about pregnancies, about all of these risk factors of sex. So it's our job, you know, as their role models, to break down that. But also to normalize it and, be, and you know, kind of say, I'm... I'm sure you're going to keep having sex because I know it feels good, even though I don't like it. You know? <laughs> but if you choose to continue doing that, let's talk about ways for you to be safe about it. Oh, yes. I just think I had the sex conversation a little bit too soon because he still don't, just don't want to say the proper names for his body, right? So when is it too soon or when is a good time to have the sex conversation with your children? Um, it's kind of like a gradual thing. So you kind of like gauge um, where that are uh, maturity wise. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can kind of figure out like how, like how far into detail do I need to go when it comes to the sex? But I think from day one, you start talking about sex when you start identifying like the genital area. So like, this is the penis, this is the vagina, mm-hmm. like doing stuff like that. This is what safe touching looks like. Those things are really you're introducing sex because you're saying this is safe touch. Who can touch you? Mommy and daddy can touch you. These are the people, these are the only people that can touch you. The doctor can touch you as long as mommy and daddy are in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. So we don't realize 
the women are doing that, we're actually talking to them about sex. Now, mm. then, as they start to get older, that's when it will progress into, like, the actual sexual acts of, you know, the penetra- penetration between the vagina and the penis. Yeah. But you kind of gauge that on yeah maturity level yeah i think right now my son told me in fourth grade they were talking about you know sex and somebody giving somebody head and i was like whoa 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 what do you mean head what is head what is head you know i was like legitimately i i freaked out i'm like he's in the fourth grade i don't feel like i should have that conversation he was like, somebody says she's going to put his penis in her mouth. I was like, what? This is too early for me. So how do you, like, bring your child back to saying, like, well, you know, some kids do it early. And, and it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you because, because they're still trying to figure out sexual orientation. Do I like girls? Do I like boys? Do I... Am I non-binary? Like, what do I want to be? Like, how do you help shape those ideas? Or should we even, like, interfere in their liking or orientations? No, you just said it right there. What, girl? No, you did. Because, okay, so I, I hear what you're saying. Like, you freaked out. That's like a normal reaction, right? Push your babies. Like, even if you're 30 years old and I know you have a child, like, you're still my baby. You know? Yeah. So leave your baby. So that freaking out is a normal reaction. But yeah. like, okay, let me check my emotions at the door. Okay, <laughs> let me come back. Okay, you say say one now. Okay, let's talk about this. Yeah. So the same way you phrase it to me, how you're having that normal conversation with me, is the same way you need to do it with him. Because if you approach it in that manner, it, I'm sure he's going to feel more comfortable coming to you about future incidents that is going to happen at school, outside of school, things like that. Versus mm. if you was to freak out, he's going to be like, oh, shit, I can't tell him nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and I think um, another question you had asked me was like the sexual orientation. Yeah. I think that depends on the person. Um, every clinician is going to be different. I'm more open. So when it comes to sexual orientation, what I say is just educate your child. For me, mm. again, this is this is me. I don't speak on all clinicians. Um, educate your child on uh, what you know heterosexuals are, homosexuality, you know things like that. LGBT, like kind of breaking down all of those things. Mm-hmm. And for me, again, this is kind of taboo, controversial. <laughs> a lot of people won't agree. I feel like. Your child should make that decision on their own. Mm. That's how I feel. Again, a lot of people don't agree, and that's fine. I respect that. Yeah. But just the type of person, my personality, because I am more open. Um, that's what. That's just my personal belief. Yeah, I think they all they all come into it as they grow up. Like they don't know right now, and I feel like sometimes TV put images or ideas out and so they're like wait this is this and that's okay and I could do this and I could be me so it kind of confuses them so it's like but you want to be like "Uh uh-uh because growing up in Miami it's like ain't no gayness up in my house and that's how a lot of stuff would happen you know a lot of kids would be in the closet for years 
There you have it. Most definitely. And I was going to say, because the more you create that judgmental atmosphere, the more the child is going to, I don't want to say be sneaky, but not feel comfortable being them truth, being their true selves. Yes. So you will get kids who are who might believe that they're gay, and that might just be you know a favorite, like you said, something that they see on TV. Oh, okay, so two men are kissing, or two women are kissing. Okay, I want to try that. So it could be just an experimental thing, or mm-hmm. it could be that that's what they're really into. Yeah. Whew. So parents, we just gotta, we just gotta have those conversations. Those yeah, conversations. it's all, it's all about education. It's yes. All about education. And as much as a parent, you want to persuade, you want to tell your child, you want to control the child is gonna, the child is gonna do what they're gonna do. Mm. So whether they're gonna be homosexual and be in a closet until they hit twenty one and move out and then you know come out mm-hmm. or whatever, I. I personal again i believe it's their choice yes completely do what you love do what you feel but i think the first thing you should know <laughs> just tell me i'll be like just tell me you sure right. you're okay and don't over boundaries <laughs> yes oh my gosh boundaries good touch bad touch when you should do something or if you feel like someone's being or pressuring you to do something come talk to me Try to have that conversation. So I think that's important for us parents in today's society to like have really, really in-depth conversations. But kids are a little bit shy with it, especially those who aren't sure or who haven't even thought about, you know, having a girlfriend. My, my son's 10 years old. He's like, I don't even like anyone. And I'm like, you sure? <laughs> Nobody you want to get a gift for? He's like, nope. And I'm like, all right, well, let me stop trying to pressure my life on him. And I think and that's, that's what, what I do. Is. It's like a, it's a fear, and I think it's a it's a pressure um, because we know what we did as a child. And it's like, well, I was a little fast tail. <laughs> I, I don't want you to do the same thing. So I'm going to put you in a bubble. But the more that I restrict you from doing that, the more I tell you don't touch the stove because it's how you don't want to touch it. Yep, just so to see like, how hot. Yep. So now my approach is, you know, if you got something to say, we cre- created this little mason jar. He hasn't used it yet, but uh-huh. I created this mason jar. I was just like, well, sometimes you're not comfortable with talking about stuff. So if you feel like you want to tell me something and you just, you know, you're a little apprehensive about it, go ahead and fill out the card and we'll talk about it. And, you know, you address that. I was like, that's just my way. Like, that's like my at-home therapy because I was just like, I know he's at a, a phase where everything's changing. I have a boyfriend now. So he's like, I've never seen her date somebody this long. And he's around all the time. So, so many changes. And you want them to be comfortable with having conversations about sexuality and relationships. And they also see a lot of different things at school. Other kids probably having sex. They're probably talking about sex. So I was just like, you know what? If you ever feel like you need to talk and you're not sure about how to do it, put it in a jar. And maybe that'll help. I'm going to have to like, put my hands on game with that because I think that's an awesome approach. Because I'm sure it helps alleviate the discomfort on both ends, like for you and him. 
I'm pretty sure the minute he uses it, girl, I'm gonna let you know. <laughs> the minute he says, "Okay, I'm ready," I was like, you know, if you have it for me, or if you have it for uh, Lee, which is my boyfriend, I was like, you have it for Lee. You want to say something mean to him, but you don't want to hurt his feelings. Just put it in the mason jar. Just we're gonna do this, and we're gonna have conversations. I think fifth grade is all about him actually expressing himself and being able to like say. No, I don't like this and not being a people pleaser anymore because now it's predators out there and you have to make them aware of how predators prey. So, girl, we could go all day. I feel like you are breaking generational curses with this. Thank you. you No, like, honestly speaking, the fact that you are doing these these little things you're wanting to figure out how can i talk to my son about sex how can i you know implement like this jar this mason jar for him to feel comfortable with expressing his feelings mm-hmm. how can i talk, to, talk about or kind of eliminate the toxic masculinity in my own household so it's like you're approaching all of these issues with your son and, you know, with your boyfriend. And I, I love it. I love oh, it. thank you, girl. Thank you, girl. I'm happy for you. <laughs> thank you. Hey, really quickly, I wanted to interrupt the podcast just to remind you to make sure you are liking, commenting, and sharing and leaving me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you listen by way of Anchor FM, make sure you are tapping that love button or leaving me a voicemail. Hey, I want to hear what you're thinking about the podcast. Did I say or did me and my girl say anything that has inspired you or made you think about something? I want to know. So make sure you are leaving me a review and you're telling me all of your favorite things about the podcast, sharing them with your friends so we can have more girls helping healing in the tribe. Also, I want to make sure you guys are following me on social media. Make sure you're following this show's page, BGU Podcast, on Instagram, and also my personal Instagram page, CocoAmore.BGU. Hey, let's get back to the podcast. So I want to round off today's session with Neek and I want to talk about mental health in a black community. How it's important for us black people to take care of ourselves mentally because traditionally it was like, you know, therapy is for crazy people. Therapy is only for rich white people. You know, how are you as a black female uh, therapist or clinician? How do you want to change that? perspective on therapy oh most definitely i tell people like at the end of the day i can be professional but i don't play when it comes to mental health so i will check somebody in a heartbeat like i i will realize <laughs> so, um, I'm, listen i'm that advocate i will get out in the streets and i will real life advocate um, okay <laughs> because Therapy is so healing, and therapy, you don't have to go to therapy when you're having problems, and I think that's another thing that I want people to understand. You don't have to have depression. You don't have to be experiencing anxiety. You can just be like, I'm having a bad day at work. I just need to talk to somebody with 
you know, accomplishing my goals, or maybe I don't know what my New Year's resolution is going to be, you know? Mm. You can go to therapy for, like, all of these different things. It does not have to be a clinical diagnosis. It doesn't have to be anything like that. Um, now, specifically, in a minority community, we really got to get rid of this this ideology that therapy is for crazy people or therapy you know, therapists are going to send me in the hospital if I disclose certain thoughts that I'm having. It's mm-hmm. not if, now granted, if, you know, you're about to harm yourself or harm somebody, of course we're going to, you know, take the appropriate steps to make sure you're safe, but that's not what therapy is about. So, just like how, if you're sick, you have the flu, you go to the doctor for mm-hmm. treatment. If something is off with you, Go to a therapist to help you mentally, you know. Mm-hmm. So your your whole well being composes of physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, all of those things. We'll talk about we'll go to a doctor, we'll talk about we'll go to church, or we'll get extra prayer if we're not feeling spiritually full. So the same thing needs to work with therapy. If mentally something is going on and you just don't feel a hundred percent and you can't identify what that is. See a therapist. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so healing, I'm telling you. How do parents uh, or how should parents uh, approach the idea of therapy to their teenagers if they feel like something is, you know, at what point should we get there? I say as soon as you feel that something is off, you can never be too proactive when it comes to your child's health. If mm-hmm. you feel like your child is not engaging in activities as they used to. they constantly staying in their room. They're not wanting to hang out with friends. They're failing at school. They're starting to have, like, angry outbursts. Any of those things, or it doesn't even have to get to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, once you know that, you know your child. You yeah. know your child's normal routine. You know your child's typical moves. Anytime you see a change in that, and there's a pattern in that, all right, let me be proactive and being a therapist it doesn't have to be that moment to where you see them cutting their wrist or things yeah. like that you don't wait for that moment because then it's going to be harder to treat and it's going to take longer Ooh, i know a couple people that could have went in my family <laughs> i'm just it's taking me back there because i'm like dang if we could have identified the problem earlier a lot of things could have been avoided um also on your page you made a post about being a strong friend like how do we protect our or check on our strong friends because we all grown after you know high school college we have life kids work how do we make sure our strong friends are okay i think honestly the same thing with your kids you for your friends, the friends that you are really connected with and into with, you'll know when something is off. Mm-hmm. So catch that vibe, and when you notice that and you recognize it, just say, hey, I noticed that you haven't been doing this as much or you've been acting a little different. I just want to see if you're okay. That doesn't even need to happen. Sometimes with me, I'll just randomly think of one of my friends that I haven't talked to since last week. And I'll just text them. Hey, just wanted to check in with you. Boom, that's it. Yeah. And that's that way we keep them thinking like we're thinking about them. 
Right. Yeah, especially those strong friends who don't have kids and everybody else has kids and they're like, oh, I'm kind of lonely right. during the holidays. So I think we had a great conversation today. I want people to know more about um, Fall Into Fun. Are you going to make that an annual thing that you're going to do with the girls so they can uh, go into the new school years every year, positive, ready for the year? So my... Um amazing sponsors and donations this year so i had a lot of great community support so i'm hoping it just gets bigger and better awesome and what is next for the inner mind like what what are you doing next what should we be expecting you have the youtube channel right now i'm actually working on um i don't want to put too much out there but I am working on like a meditative journaling, um, adult coloring book. I'm still, you know, working through that, but that is like the next avenue that I'm trying to tackle. Oh, that is amazing. I think, I think we could use that because we don't sit down, we don't have the time or we don't make the time to just sit down and be still anymore. I remember when my grandmother, when I was growing up, my grandmother would say, sit down and read a book. You know, right. it's just learning how to be still again. Go down and sit down somewhere and read a book. Right. And you re- and you practice mindfulness. And I went through your shop. I was like, okay, I got to get some of this stuff. Girl, Learn I how to practice. Baby. I love mindfulness. What, what would you say about mindfulness as like the end all be all? Like, why is that so important? Well, because I say every day you need to give yourself a moment of to acknowledge what you're experiencing, acknowledge what your thoughts are, what your emotions are, how your body's reacting to it. And that gives you the moment to really figure out who you are because we're constantly changing every single day. Our brain is constantly growing with new experiences um, that we're letting into our lives. So we really need to really hone in on that and figure out who we are every single day. Figure out how we're affected by whatever has happened or didn't happen for that day. Awesome. I always do this with all my guests. Last question. If you you knew what you knew now, what Mm -hmm. would you tell your younger self? Ooh, come on, therapy question. Come on, come on. I wanted to be a therapist long time ago, long, long time ago or whatever, but I got into radio when I was in college and then I just started doing all this other stuff and I was like, crazy. I was like, I can't be nobody therapist. I got a couple screws loose. Okay. So if you knew what you knew now, what would you tell your younger self? Major. But that it's hard. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. It's hard. 
if there are people that care, you just got to find them. Mm, that's true. I say that all the time, girl. Hey, moms and dads, it is chore time. Y'all know it's a Saturday. <laughs> and your girl has found the holy grail of chores and chore tracking. And how the hell do I keep my house looking like a very sex in the city-ish without having to put up a nasty chore wall? Mm, 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 mm. I am here to tell you all about the S'mores app. Guys, this is amazing. It has been very tedious trying to get my son on a decent schedule and trying to remind him to look at the schedule on the fridge. So what happened is I ran through my Apple app store and I found this app and it's called the S'mores app. It allows me to create a, a family profile. I'll add my child and add the chores that they need to complete. You can use the inputted ones or you can create your own chores depending on what it is. The children can actually get a notification about what chore is due at what time and they can go ahead and select completed and send you a picture if you're requesting picture proof of the completed chore. <gasps> what? This has actually made chore tracking so much easier and it has made my life so much easier with putting in chores and reminding myself actually of the things that needs to be done around the house. Let me get back to it because I have some chores that's due in 15 minutes. And if I don't get my chores done, then I'm not going to get any progress on my chore app. <laughs> so guys, head to your local app store and make sure you download this morning's app. And if they ask you how you heard about us, Make sure you tag us, Black Girl Uninterrupted, and let us know how the S'mores app is working for you. You're just jealous, Lisa. Because I got better. Because I was released. Because I have a chance.